Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. Available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, Greatest Rivalries, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello, everybody. And no cuz this week bringing you our <laughs> perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, greatest rivalries, Sean versus Brett. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at our wrestling podcast, YouTube at our wrestling channel, or just do the easy thing. Download the app WrestlePost at no charge to you and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. Jess, why are we talking about Brett and Sean right now? What's going on? Well, I'd like this to be the first of our of series that we do of greatest rivalries. You know, Everybody wants to talk about their Mount Rushmore wrestling or this person's great or this wrestler's great or this tag team's great. And that's fine. That's that's an easy conversation to have. You know, like everyone has, you know, top five conversations, top 10 conversations. We certainly do off the mic. But but like wrestlers get famous as well because they get matched up with a good rival. And that rivalry is what people remember. You know, everybody remembers Steamboat and Flair, which we may cover in the future. Everybody remembers Hulk and Andre. Everybody remembers Hulk and Savage. You know, all these rivalries that stretch over time, you know, not just a... Unfortunately, nowadays, it's hard to have a good rivalry because everything gets kind of reset every 30 days. You know, they hit a pay-per-view and then they reset and then they get ready for the next pay-per-view. And sometimes rivalries do stretch on every now and then today in today's world. But back then, you know, it was some rivalries lasted years and years. And we're talking about Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, which what's so unique about this rivalry is not only was it really good on our television screens and in front of the camera, it got really nasty and good. If you like that kind of drama, Behind the curtain, um, these guys yeah. started getting a lot of tension. They really didn't like each other for a time period, uh, and it caused problems. There was physical altercations between the two behind the scenes uh, yeah. as well. Unsafe so, work environment. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're going to cover, you know, obviously rivalries that are just kind of good in front of the camera as well, but I wanted to kick it off with this one because these guys were this – is, this is special in a way. Like, they were really good together in the ring, in front of the camera, and like I said, behind the scenes, it got nasty for a long time. Well, you had the, you know, not not to give too much away, just to kind of preset it, but you had the greatest, you had the greatest technical wrestler in the world probably at that moment with the great, well, with probably actually the greatest bumper too, you know, the greatest seller, and and Sean was not, I mean, Sean's obviously the latter, but Sean was no technical, um, you know, buffoon himself. He was actually really good at what he did in his craft, uh, but he was more known more for a bumper and selling, you know, I think. Uh, when he hit the sp- uh, spare part of his career, you know, the singles part of his career. Uh, but there's so many fascinating things to it. One of that is the outside drama, the non-KFA piece, the shoot piece. Um, 
But I think even more fascinating is how it started. I think there's a lot of fans out there that might be younger than us. It's not a bad thing. You get like I think Jess has always said, you get in when you get in. You get hooked on how you get hooked, and that's a great thing, no matter how it happens. I think a lot of people got hooked uh, by by the time when Brett and Sean were hot and heavy as singles tags. But that's not how they came in to WWF at the time, Jess. Right? Yeah, that's true. I mean they. They were around, but Brett especially uh, was around a long time ago. You know, he broke in in like 1985. As far as WWF is concerned, he wrestled for Calgary Stampede, which was his father's promotion up in Canada b- before that. But he to to get to the national scene in the United States, you got to go to the WWF at one point. And he came in in 1985, and they put him with Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and they formed the Hart Foundation the early man on. World Wrestling Federation right now, Jimmy Hart, come on in, honky talk man, your Intercontinental <laughs> Champion, oh, yes. and from Reno, Nevada, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, the former football great from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Brett the Hitman Hart are the tag team champions of the world. You know the paper said everybody says the greatest team in the history of professional wrestling today. I guess you. Gosh, and I gotta tell you, um, the the, uh, the anvil has to be so. I mean, God rest his soul, right? But the, the anvil has to be so thankful for that matchup. The anvil was just nothing but a bruiser, and uh, great on the mic, had a great look. But other than a bunch of atomic drops and back body drops, that's kind of where in obviously Larry, it's that's where his talent kind of ends he goes in there roughs people up and brett really carries 90 percent of those matches and they're one of the greatest tag teams of, of all time right uh and on that side of it that's that's where brett comes in and it's it's funny because i, I think because brett of his we'll talk about size later because size really matters as why this rivalry comes into a into motion um you know the the land of the giants kind of dissipates for an obvious reason that we'll talk about but also you know, I think that's why Brett was put in a tag because he wasn't big enough. But Brett, by far, could probably uh, topple anybody in that locker room. Brett was probably the meanest guy in there as far as technical ability and what he could do to hurt people because obviously his dad could stretch anyone, right? But I think he was taken for granted because it was the land of the Giants. And that's why he's in that tag role, which develops into the one, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. The other side is also a tag setup, but didn't quite reach those heights, right, Jess? We're talking about Sean. Yeah, Sean comes in in 88. I think I want to say late 88. I know there was a brief stint where they came in months before and they kind of got fired really quick. And then they ended up coming back uh, in late 88, I want to say. And uh, they came in. He came in with Marty Gennetti as the Rockers. And, you know, I, I'm not here to bash anybody, but. I never dug the Rockers. I, I liked what they did in the ring. They were high flyers. I didn't like a lot of the choreographed move, which unfortunately, professional wrestling in 2020 is all about, you know, synchronized moves and choreographed stuff. It looks like dance moves that you work with your partner the with. Flippies. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying wrestling in general was never that at its very core. But when you simulate violence, you make it look like you're not working with that person. But yet you are. However, to me, I was never a fan of that style of wrestling. So when the Rockers came in, I know they were the Midnight Rockers in the AWA before that, but I didn't watch a lot of AWA. When they came to the WWF, like they were, you know, they did elbow drops at the same time. They dropped kicked at the same time. They did double hip tosses. They, I was never into that style of wrestling. I know a lot of people were. I was going to say a lot uh, of people were, yeah. <laughs> and they were innovative, and they were innovative for their time. I was not. I was a Heart Foundation guy. I was not a Rockers guy at all. Um, that's just that was just me. That was just me. Well, you were you are a Heart Foundation and a Demolition guy. 
You know, yeah. that, that was that's what was big at that moment. And um, there but there were a lot of fans, especially, you know, the ladies, the ladies really love the rockers. They had those big blowouts and the flashy clothes and they, they can get up top. They can get high. And, you know, they're more like regular dudes. Like, they were big, but they were they weren't freaking massive, you know, steroid junkie guys um, that I hate to say it. A lot of women look at and go, ooh, that's gross. You know, but the rockers, some women can get behind that kind of like uh you know, Edge, I think at that time when he was with Christian, I mean, you know, Edge and Christian was probably more Edge, but, you know, a lot of people make that joke. But, um, you know, they they were, they definitely, uh, you want to talk about, like Jess, you want to talk about bringing about a new fan base? The Rockers did that, right? The Rockers could bring about something that no no other fan, you know, ever said, you know, oh, I, I'm going to watch that, that the Rockers this. Like I think they brought new fans, especially the female fans. That we've gone over that edge because we signed a match with the Colossal Connection. Well, Andre and Haku, life is no easy ride, and nobody knows that better than us. That's right, and all we ever wanted out of ourselves was to be the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. And now we got the champions, but the only problem is not a title match. Why is that, Andre? Why is They, they that, did, Andre? a lot of people Are were attracted, and, and, and you know, wrestling's always been thought of as like a male-dominated, you know, uh, sport or form of entertainment. Sure. Um, which I get it because there was really no uh, up until the last five years, there was really no women's division to necessarily speak of, except for certain periods here and there. But um, yeah, the Rockers, for sure. They brought in younger girls. Um, guys did like them. They just brought in a different style. They brought in a, a different style of tag wrestling and a different style of wrestling altogether. It takes all of it in one big pot to make the world go round. I understand that. I just yeah. I, they weren't my cup of tea. And when you say too, Sean was. I, I think I don't even think Sean was technically even adult, an adult when he first broke in. Wasn't he barely 17 or almost 18? I, maybe um, in the sport in general. In WWF, he was way over 18. No, I don't want to say way but over when he, but when he But when he started, he was yeah, like 17 he was, years he, old. Sean was really young when he broke in. Yeah, and he was – so he was barely – I mean, he was over 18 when he came in, but it wasn't that far-fetched. I mean, Sean was really young, probably one of the youngest people you'd bring in on that kind of level. And that's also probably why they never made it past really kind of – mid card status because you just don't know what you're dealing with that. And Marty Gennetti kind of a wild card too. Um, we can do a whole show on him. It's fascinating how many times he got fired and rehired, but um, you know, it's, it's incredible um, that Sean found his way in spite of all that. And he was super young kind of when, when it cleared. Right. Um, but even though Brett was being used sparingly in single, single matches at that time frame, yeah, they would. Vince did always. I think he always liked Brett in the ring. It was it was weird, it, especially it's hard not way, to right with the way everything turned out. Which I feel that Brett was not chosen in the long run. But back in the day, you know, the whole um, uh, was it Mike McGee? Isn't that that wrestler's name? The one that they did the little documentary on the network where. This guy came in, looked like a million bucks. Oh, and like, yeah. They and actually, of all put, people, they put him up they against put, Brett. Yeah, they put Brett in there, and Brett was still with the Hart Foundation, and they did that. Brett also feuded with Bad News Brown um, after an altercation at WrestleMania 4 in 1988. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it? What's going on? Oh, oh, the Hitman came out of nowhere. Don't ever double cross the Hitman. Look at his, he bent He's got the trophy. I don't believe it. I don't oh, believe he's it. He's smashing it. He's smashing the trophy. Hitman smashing that seven-foot trophy. Be, mainly because Bad News Brown or Bad News Allen wrestled for Stampede Wrestling, which was Brett's dad promotion. So Bad News Allen knew Brett. I think Vince wanted to put 
he really had big plans for bad news. It didn't end up panning out, but he really wanted bad news to be like a, a hard ass heel um, way ahead of his time. I think bad news Brown's character was. Uh, yeah. So when a he little brought, too real, right? Ahead yeah. When time. he brought bad news in, um, he really wanted bad news to get in there with somebody who he was familiar with, which would have been Brett, because again, bad news, Allen wrestled for stampede wrestling up in Calgary for Stu. So he knew the Hart family. So I think Brett, but, but it was always interesting to me that Vince would pull Brett out of the Hart foundation here and there to do like a four or five month house show tour loop or whatever you want to call it um, as a singles wrestler. And then he put him yeah. back together as Hart foundation, Hart foundation ended up winning two tag titles. You know, the first one they won in uh, 86 uh, when they beat the British Bulldogs and they won the second tag titles when they beat demolition at SummerSlam 90. So that's the, amazing the, by the way, the Hart foundation. Yeah, that's a fantastic match. Uh, the Hart foundation was very decorated. Whereas in contrast, you know, the Rockers never really rose above mid-card status. I know there was that one event where they technically beat the Hart Foundation, but they never aired it because the ring broke and all that. But I, I don't know. I People say that they were going to win it. Vince used to do a lot of stuff on house shows to see how the crowd reacted to things. I don't even know, even if that ring doesn't break, that they would have advertised rockers as tag champions i don't know that for a fact i i don't think so i think vince was just trying to see what stuck and what worked i i don't necessarily know even if that ring doesn't break that they air that and they showed it i, I you know because they did vince does, has done a lot of things like that where he's put one person over in a house show he didn't like the way it worked out and then he just that's never happened we're just never gonna Pl- talk about plans it. change pal yeah yeah yeah, I, that's really it, you know, and and that's kind of where, you know, where, where it comes into play. I think um, I think you, I don't think you stumble upon it, but I think you had me stumble upon it just by the way you're talking. I think it's absolutely fascinating that even though and I'll just I'll kind of jump into it briefly and we'll come back to it. If it were not if not for the steroid trial and all the craziness, Brett would have never had a shot at what we're, what we're talking about in these kind of rivalries and these kind of single matches. Even though Vince knew exactly what he was and what he was capable of in that ring, he never had the faith in Brett. And 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 the only reason why he had he had the opportunities because Vince had no choice. Bottom line is Vince always Vince always catered to and nurtured dollars. And, and gi- even though and he respected brought dollars. Yeah, even though exactly because the average wrestling fan could look at that giant and be like, I'm not that size. I'm not I'm not that that kind of imposing figure. Whereas like it's a carny spectacle, right? Wrestling has to be so good that you don't think like nobody looks at wrestling and goes, I like that guy because I can't fight like him. Right. Like nobody looks at wrestling like that. The casual wrestling fan doesn't look at wrestling and they don't get attracted to wrestling going, man, that guy's a really good wrestler. He makes me jealous because I wish I was him. Yeah, those are the diehards and they're a few. And uh, maybe. Between. And that's only if you're diehard and you've learned you've been a wrestling fan for years and you learn how the inside works. You know, the average wrestling fan is going to be attracted to the Hulks, to the Austins, the larger than life characters with the bald heads or the yellow tights or the tan muscles. And, you know, that and, and the six foot five six foot you know whatever and i'm not saying that people that were six foot didn't get over you know like macho macho was like six one or something like that i'm just saying like macho had a you know a unique character i don't want to get off on a tangent you know on a side note but but like vince always chased the money that was always the rule in the wwf so unfortunately he looked at good technical wrestlers as 
well, you're just the guys that are going to be grinding it out on my house shows. You're a worker, yeah. Yeah, putting other people over, making sure the big guys, the big tan golden gods, get put over. That's just what that. And you're gonna short, you're gonna carry eighteen or twenty minutes, but the last two minutes, Hulk's gonna. And Vince it. never saw any more value in those guys. He respected them. A lot of people don't think that Vince respects actual wrestlers. He absolutely does, one hundred percent. But he's not going to push them. He's They're not, you so know, they so matter. Like these technical wrestlers so matter. But when you when you get two technicals at the top, it's pretty phenomenal to see. It's just at that time, it, it, like you said, the casual the casual viewer wasn't going to watch that. But the diehard just absolutely eats it up. You know, it's 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 amazing. It's just it's just different. You know, and and uh, that's that's kind of I don't want to fast forward too far. I kind of want to you know kind of get into where the single stuff happens. So you know, basically. Uh, the Hart Foundation loses the tag team titles to the Nasty Boys at WrestleMania 7, and that clears Brett into his single career. And uh, obviously, the Rockers never rose above mid-card status like we talked about. And then Brett actually wins the IC title from Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam in 91. And then we lead into one of the, in my opinion, I thought it was one of the coolest uh, mic segments I've ever seen. You know, like the live segments. You know, you got Piper's Pit. You've got all these other ones. But this happens to be... At the uh, what what do we call it? The um, just call it the barbershop, right? Yeah. And uh, they call it the glass window segment. Jess, can you uh, describe what we're talking about? The way that Brutus Beefcake came back for a while in '92, and he did what was called it was like a takeoff on Piper's Pit or the Brother, Brother Love Show. It was called the bar- barbershop. So every week, you know, it was a a set with the red carpet and a, a a fake glass barber window, you know, with the barber, the stripe pole, and all that stuff. And he had a barber's chair in there, and you know, it looked like a barber shop on the inside. Um, so he would have guests on every week. It was a talk show. So one, you know, they, they had been teasing the rockers having problems for like three months leading up to it. And uh, it just seemed like they, you know, rockers, they would they would get title shots like an LOD. And then like because of a miscommunication, one rocker would actually hit the other and then LOD would win. Or they would do a singles match. And then because the, the other rocker would come down with the good intention of helping that other rocker out, but it inadvertently caused a distraction and then the other guy to go, you know, to lose. And so um, so that was the problem. So they were teasing a rocker breakup the whole time. Well, you know, in wrestling, if they telegraph it, it's going to happen, even though you didn't want people didn't really want it to. And so basically they had kind of Sean having a bad attitude and Marty kind of being like, what's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you? You know, so they had this. The culmination of it all was on the barbershop in early 1992. And Beefcake had both the rockers on and he was addressing you guys have not been on the same page lately. What's going on? Are you guys going to break up? Are you going to get back together? So, of course, they did a whole thing where Sean's like, you know, I'm sorry. I've been an arrogant jerk. And Marty's like, yeah, man, what's wrong with you? Like, we're the rockers, dude. We're rocking and rolling and blah, blah, blah. So they kind of seemed like they were cool. And then they shook cans and they hugged and the rockers music played and Bruce B cakes like ladies and gentlemen the rockers they're they, they're fine they're back together nothing was ever Man. wrong and then Shawn Michaels super kicks uh Marty Jannetty in the face and then picks him up and throws him through the glass barbershop window which you know was fake glass but at the same time that was pretty violent for a WWF program WWF yeah, was for very, the family and friends well, right, was very bubblegum at the time and like yeah he threw that's not right that's like a guy. Saturday morning when you see that too it's not like on primetime or anything I don't if I recall i don't yeah it was either on i can't i don't know if it was on superstars on wrestling challenge one of the even if it was on primetime they aired it they aired it over and over on saturday and sunday mornings tag team specialist see one without the other isn't any good oh oh i knew he was gonna do that i just knew he was gonna do that he don't need janetti i told you that off and on are you kidding 
What a despicable act that was. Yeah, it was shown everywhere, and, and so that was like, oh my god. So Sean turns heel and launches a single career, much like Brett kind of, Brett sort of unceremoniously became a single star. He, you know, the Hart Foundation lost to WrestleMania yeah. 7, like Dave said. Then all of a sudden, you just started seeing Brett on TV tapings as a singles wrestler, beating people. He came up with this new move called the Sharpshooter, and he started using it to beat people, and Anvil just, I can't remember if he got fired, he got injured, something, whatever, anyway. Um, so More Brett was like- having some trouble. Yeah, Brett was, you know, the focal guy. Vince always liked Brett anyway. And then Brett got the big match against Mr. Perfect, had an amazing match with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91. Go watch it. And uh, and becomes IC champion. So Brett was off to the races already at this time. Um, and then Shawn Michaels comes along and then just Vince saw something in Shawn. Always has. And figured, I got to break up the Rockers. You know, I, right, I need some more single star because at the time, um, you know, he was looking before the steroid trial forced all the big guys out. They were getting old as well. Hulk was getting old and tired. So was Savage as far as their characters were concerned. And so Vince is like, I need some fresh blood. So he pushed it. And this shocking scene on the barbershop catapulted Sean and at least gave him a great start. By the way, I, I can't think of another time before where Sean actually did a super kick, even in a match. I mean, they, they were all high flyers and it was all very. Uh, they would gun. do it every day. We do like double super kicks and stuff. Just really fluffy shit. But Sean kind yeah, of dusted it off. But this and, was like this was like laid first, in. At of. first, actually, Sean's finisher was not the super kick. He would do the super kick as a setup. And then he did like this odd like back over the back suplex move. It was weird. He would grab them from behind the opponent, like through through their crotch area and then grip his hand with his other hand and back suplex them. It was very odd. It was a very odd finisher. He did that for more than a few months when he first turned heel, but the setup was always way. a super kick. I don't really remember when he started developing the super kick as his finisher, but it was, I, I want to guess it was probably sometime in 93. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? That's incredible. Yeah, his original, his finisher that everyone knows him for now, the super kick, was actually set up for this shitty suplex he used to do. And then after a while, he bailed on it. And he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to do the super kick. Yeah, I'm going to have to push a little bit through this. But I got to tell you, um, as they start rising to the ranks in 92, um, and I know we, we talked about amid the, the uh, steroid scandal in 92, Brett actually defeats Ric Flair in October of that year to win the WDF title. And then Sean defeats the British Bulldog in a Saturday night's main event for the IC title. They actually wrestle at a survivor series, uh, you know, as both champions. I don't think it was a title for title. Jess, you can correct me on that. No, it was not, but it was like, it was the first time since we're talking about the rivalry that they actually fought. And, and this is amazing to me when you think yeah, about it. I think they, but they wrestled as a tag team, right? But they, but it was like pal shows sparingly. This yeah, is the first time they faced yeah. off mano a mano. Yeah, this and they were both like again at the end of '92. Shit was in shambles as far as like major stars and this is like names. throw them together. We don't. Yeah, have so Vince else. was like just trying to get new talent pushed really yeah. quick and get all the obvious steroid guys out of the picture. So Hulk kind of defected. He left and uh, Savage uh, flared it, or uh, Vince didn't want in the ring anymore. Bulldog got suspended because he failed the drug test. Warrior got suspended because he sort of he failed the drug test. Um, and and you know wanted more money and all that good stuff. So like it was just a whole even then even further than that warrior came back after that sorry and then he left because he failed the drug test so like it was very odd it was very it was a very odd time in wrestling wrestling 
was so different at the beginning of 92 than it was at the end of 92, especially in the WWF. It's like night and day, the two. So in, at the end of 92, Vince was kind of on his ass as far as like the, the rock and wrestling area was over and it was coming down hard. And so he had to not only push new talent, but it couldn't be overly big guys because, again, he didn't want any heat of, of you know, that guy's on steroids, you know, like so Vince is already going through the ringer here with the whole steroid trial. It was start, all the accusations were coming out at late 92 it was, it was getting- a it was a super tough time for wrestling i mean you have because you have what like a three-year gap between here and the monday night wars maybe more what was it 94 95 when did it start uh monday night wars started 95 so yeah you literally have a three-year gap between at this Rock point at this point in survivor series 92 raw hadn't even started yet and so like they yeah, that's right. You know, Rob, it's, Rob it's was kind of a necessity, They right? rushed the world title on Brett, which a uh, topic for another podcast because I totally disagree with the way they did it. Michaels also comes into his own, beats the guy who beat Brett for the IC title. Yeah, that's um, right. And so, yeah, so now they're primed together. And then Vince is like, just, just put them together in the main event for the world title at Survivor Series 92. And they, they tore the house down. And this is a very good match. I would say out of the matches that they had, and they had three top profile matches. We'll get to the other two later. I would say the Survivor Series 92 match, which unfortunately their their fitting end would come to an end at a Survivor Series later, years later. But um, but it started at a Survivor Series in 92 and they had a fantastic match. And Michaels was coming to his own and trying to figure out what kind of a heel he was going to be. Brett was just thrust into the world title pitcher and trying to become this face. And he wasn't as charismatic as Hulk or Macho or any of those guys. But Vince was desperately trying to get something to click. And But you know what? We win as wrestling fans because it was a great match in Survivor Series. Well, right, a great match. And I'm not so sure it's because of the ability of Shawn Michaels or whether or not it's because of the record-setting pace. This is it. For the Hitman. This is it. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yes, no. The shot said it, Kenny Dick. No, no, no. The shot stand. No, no, no. The shot stand. No, no, no. The shot Once the bell rings, man, you can you can call off everything else and just kind of enjoy what's going to be in there. So, yeah, and that, that's that's kind of what we get to, and that's where Vince has to rely on more technical. And I think your your point, Jess, is the the non giant, non muscular talent to carry on the company because you know that Brett and Sean, quite frankly, they're just you know they're they're not on the juice if they are. They're they're masking it pretty well, and they're they're smaller guys. You know we know that. Um, and they would use that two-year stint, basically 93 to 95, to develop those characters. And they are the mainstays. They're the top tier. They're the top, uh, the top angles and matches. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting. You know, we're getting into I, – I know, I know Brett carried the title into WrestleMania 9, and they tried a little bit with Hogan on that, that crazy fit. You know, we're not going to talk about it too briefly where basically Yokozuna cheats to win Brett, but Hogan wins it back like in two minutes. But that failed. That failed hideously. People were tired of it. And basically, Brett goes on and wins that title for a second time at WrestleMania 10 a year later. So they used Yokozuna. I think that's a big deal. Yokozuna carried that title for almost an entire year, you know, and Brett actually beats him. And we, we talked about those great matches at WrestleMania 10, uh, the the, um, the 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 moments that kind of get overwhelmed and Brett and his 
and his brother Owen are one of those moments. Go check it out in the archives. Fantastic match, and it opens up WrestleMania 10. But, you know, Brett would win that title, and then he he goes into that feud with Owen afters because Owen beats Brett at WrestleMania 10. It's I'm, I'm taking this over just a little bit. Sorry, but I find this whole thing fascinating. I thought the storyline could have carried for a long time. Owen beats Brett at WrestleMania 10, but then Brett wins a title on the same night. And Owen's just looking at, like, at the end, comes up looking like, what the fuck just happened? You know, just I, I think it's awesome stuff. Um, and then while they're feuding, Michaels goes into uh, it, it gets gets Diesel as a sidekick, who we all know now is, is Kevin Nash. And uh, they they feud with, feud with Ramon for that IC title for much of 94. I know I'm covering a lot. Just, you know, pick up where you want to and pick. No, the, it's fine. Yeah. Pick keep, the keep on going. You know, I, I just I think it's phenomenal when you've got. <laughs> you well, got yeah, right no Sean's feuding. growth. Sean's growth happened a lot in '94. First of all, the ladder match and his pull. Right, by the way, yeah, yeah, the ladder match in WrestleMania 10. What do you say? You know, um, they put Diesel with him. We all know where Kevin Nash's career kind of blew up from that. Um, Kevin Nash would we'll cover it later, but he would actually go on to win the world title before Michaels, which is odd. But um, but Michaels was really learning, and he had some hiccups, and he had the whole you know where he got beat up by the Marines, and you know all this stuff. You know it, that was later, but I mean like he got suspended at the end of '93, and and you know or, or after the summer of '93 for quote unquote failing a drug test. So Michaels had his bumps along the way, but more importantly, in '93 he established himself. As it, people liked him and he was starting to develop himself and then we get in 94 like dave's talking about and he gets diesel in his corner which he did have diesel in 93 but like you know he he left for a while comes back gets back with diesel and and starts challenging ramon when he can't win the title from ramon he puts six diesel on ramon diesel actually wins the ic title from ramon but michaels was in the mainstay of all that so what vince was doing was he's splitting it he's trying to put bread at the top in the world title picture against owen and the ic level was fucking ramon nash and michaels i mean it's, those five names jesus Christ. like he was trying to rebuild in, in 94 he was really trying to rebuild his company and make those guys the big names of pro wrestling Cra- long, crazy question, long gone in the wwf long gone were the names of hulk and savage and piper and you know all those guys and vince yeah, was just trying to restart gone. and kind of re rejuvenate with youth and non-steroid guys in 94 yeah. go, go on do, sorry do, do you think i just a crazy question came to me do you think he was testing diesel to try to be the face of the company even though he, he did periodically he, he finally did put the title on him and he did it before sean do you think vince was just trying to go back to that land of the giant of course and use mr Vinny vegas to do that 100 I mean, yeah, yeah 100%. i find it phenomenal but the, at the end of the day sean you know, and and I, I I I like Kevin Nash. I do. I'm not I'm not shitting on him. And I thought I think he did great things, and he changed the world of wrestling for good or bad. You can argue that, but I think Sean just was way more charismatic, could carry way more. People were drawn to him more at that time. I mean, really, you know, um, Kevin Nash was just so young there, in my opinion, too. You know, so green. Uh, to to that world, even though he'd been wrestling for a really long time, we've 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 got some crazy stuff of him in the archives as a uh, what the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> Oz, but you know stuff that you didn't think he was doing, and he was massive, but he was not in that main title picture and can carry it as well as Sean did, even though he won the title first. It's a lot of crazy stuff, you know. Um, so I, I love that, right? So you know, Sean would get his first world title picture when he challenged Diesel. For that title at WrestleMania 11, but he would lose. 
um, which is, <laughs> I'm still like, wow, we're at WrestleMania 11 and Brett's a two-time champ and Sean hasn't even tasted that title yet, right? Sean and Brett would continue to wrestle and feature matches, but Diesel was their world champion. So you can tell that Vince is really pushing, you know, his his big man persona. Um, but it's not working. I think at this point, just we we all have we've all come to the conclusion that they they lost a lot of money here. They weren't drawing at this moment. It wasn't happening. And I know when we were younger and dumber, we blamed Brett for a lot of that. And I think like, wow, if they just let Brett and Sean run, maybe they wouldn't have lost so much traction. I don't know. Uh, thoughts on that? I'm just I'm, I'm yeah. No, here. the thing is, is what Vince and it's funny how how powerful he is and how much influence Vince has had on the wrestling industry. And obviously, he's he's probably one of the major reasons why most of the people even watch wrestling to begin with. Vince because of his product and his people, you know, his characters that he puts out there. But the the thing is, is when when mainstream is not interested in wrestling and the casual fan is not interested in wrestling, he is very uncomfortable just going with technical guys which would please the fans that are left over. Like right now, you know, Vince wants to push the Romans. I'm not saying Roman's a bad performer. Roman is not a bad performer. He's but very he, wa- good. he wants He's to amazing. push the Romans and the Brocks, and Brock serves his purpose too. But but I'm saying is you could see Vince's, it's not, wrestling's not mainstream now, despite it being on Fox or whatever the fuck it's on. It's not. And Vince always says, well, what gets wrestling out of the non-mainstream and the non-casuals back into the boom period is I push big guys. No, a big guy will get over organically and then you fan that flame from there. It's like he does. He never learns. But when wrestling's down, you you only have hardcore fans left, right? People that actually like pro wrestling. So you do need to gravitate toward the Sean's, the Bretts, the AJ's, the, you know, Daniel Bryan's, the, you know, yeah, the, the Kurt Angles and all that. You do need to because those are the people that are left over to watch your product. They like wrestling, so they like those talented guys. But Vince will always buck that. Back here was so obvious that he was doing that. He had Brett, he had Sean, and then when Diesel came along, he's like, oh, here we go. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You were on the course in 94 to push the Bretts, the Owens, the Ramones, who Ramones a big guy, but he was a big character, right? And and in the Shawns and all those guys, and but yet the second Diesel comes along, yeah, everyone fucking move over. Here we go, and it's like, yeah. oh god, like Jesus. Well, you know what's absolutely like, fascinating about that whole thing too is that the only reason why Diesel wins that title, you know, the fact that Razor did not win a world title is fascinating on its face, but it's pretty obvious as to why because. In Vince's mind, it's still the land of faces. You know, in, in WCW, the Hills won the title and carried them for 90% of the time. And then the face would win, but then they'd start over, right? Um, months later, the, the face Which would Which is odd. I'm glad again. you bring that up because I've been you seeing know? that a lot on social media lately. Yeah. You know, I, during the week part of pro wrestling, which was like from 93 to like 96 slash 7, I'm shocked that a six foot six, six foot seven. 285 pound Razor Ramon didn't win the world title. Yeah, I, I, find, I find it absolutely fascinating. He's the one didn't. guy when everyone else is like, oh, Piper should have won the title. Rude should have won the title. Nobody should have won the title. The I'm like, blah, blah, blah. About? No, no, no. But I'm like, when people say Razor, I'm like, I'm not really sure why not. Like, I'm it, not it really sure. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He was he wasn't in trouble with his. I know he had. I know um, we're going off on a tangent from Brett. No, no, I'm just saying. I know, yeah. but he was in, he was in this whole uh, 
persona, Mix, this rivalry. Yeah. He was, and he was wrestling, and the stuff he did with Sean was fucking phenomenal, right? Razor's extremely talented for a big guy, and he was a heel. And, the, and in my opinion, it's the only reason why he didn't win a title, a world title, and carry it. IC titles were for those those heels or those smaller guys to see what they could do as a test. But Ramon was a face when he won the IC title. True, yeah, which that's even more fascinating when you think about it. Yeah, they did turn Razor face, and their crowd still loved it, and they still never gave him that title opportunity. It's, I, I know, I find it, it's so strange to me, Jess. I, I've, I've always thought about that. I'm like, how did that not happen? Um, somebody like that not winning the world title. Um, I'd love to get, if you can get true Vince at that moment, say, why did that not happen? It looked like you had plans for him. Something changed. What was it? Was it his contract? Did you know he? Because eventually they talk about, I'm leaving. I'm going to go, you know, and take shorter dates and everything else. And you have curtain calls and you have all those other issues, right? But um, that's for another another podcast. But Razor Ramon, gosh, could he could have carried a title for a long time on a world level, heel heel or face? I think um, in WCW at that time, Jess, if he was that hot, he would have won it. I mean, yeah, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, like I said we're getting too far off, but Razor's a whole nother topic. I mean, that guy, a four time IC title champion when that shit just didn't happen. They obviously had stock in him, but they never they never strapped the rocket to him. And uh, I'd love to find out why that ever happened. That'd be a good um, good question for those those Conrad podcasts when they say ask ask yeah. us anything. Right. Why did that not happen? So uh, but anyways, moving moving forward. Um, let's see. You know, Brett would defeat Diesel to win his third WWF title at Survivor Series uh, in 95. But also, um, Sean would win his third IC title in July of 95 by defeating Jeff Jarrett. So you can still see they're, they're paralleling, but they're not really wrestling each other too much. Uh, just, just on those feature matches, right? Uh, Sean wins the 96 Royal Rumble, was put on, put on that course to face Brett. Uh, at WrestleMania 12 in that 60-minute iron match. Uh, side note on this, by the way, I'm pretty sure one of our friends fell asleep at this match. Yes, um, I, w- I was there live at WrestleMania 12, and uh, <laughs> I went with our friend Craig, and uh, we were like second or third row from the very top of the arena. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a cool show. It was cool to say I went to a WrestleMania, even though it was only WrestleMania 12 at this point. Um, but you know what? I know a lot of people praise the Iron Man match. It was at the Pond, right, Jess? Yeah, it was at the Pond. So Anaheim, Anaheim Pond, Anaheim, it, could, it couldn't have sat more than 20,000 people. They were they were really hurting here. I mean, they, I'm sure and, they and sold And they sold, the building was fairly full. I'd say the building was like 95% full, no problem. Um, but uh, but it, was a, it was a decent show. But like, you know, I, I'm going to be dead honest. Like an hour match is fucking boring. Um, and back here, they didn't put the bells and whistles like later in the attitude era when they would do Iron Man matches. It would be like the outside interference wrestlers going on the outside for a while here. It was like fucking strictly in the ring. And, they went outside and, a couple and not times to mention Jess, that there was no fucking pinfalls in that first 60. No, either. that was yeah, the whole thing is they made sure Sean and Brett were evil, even and nobody scored anything. So you had a full 60 minute match between these two guys with no pinfalls. It was just a flat out and it was. Don't get me wrong. It takes major talent to pull that off. But Craig fell asleep right next to me. And uh, it was it was fucking it was kind of boring. I would say 80 percent of that match is boring. But they had high spots. They had bright spots where everybody was up on their feet, especially the I last think, five minutes. I think, I think you're asking too much of two wrestlers at that point. In, 1990, without, without in 1996. Yes. In a WWF crowd in 1996. Yes. You were asking for way too much. Cover. One, two, yeah. 
Agreed. Agreed. I would never want to blame Especially them for that. Especially after you sure just tried the year before to shove diesel down my throat. And then now you're like, well, now we're going to go back to technical wrestlers and have an Iron Man one hour match. It's like, wait a minute. You can't go from fucking zero to 60 in two seconds. You know, you tried these two guys. We liked them. You're like, fuck you, Diesel. And then Diesel didn't work out. So you put the title back on Brett. Now you're priming Sean. And then you shove an Iron Man match down our throat. It's like, what, well, dude, you can't fucking jerk your audience around that many times in a year. Which, which by the way, Sean wins that, by the way. Yes. Um, after it goes into overtime. The overtime part is probably the best part. Uh, so this was really the second time that they clashed. I mean, again, they fought the you know on a major pay-per-view the first time in Survivor Series 92. They did wrestle in dark matches and house shows for the IC title when Brett was IC champion back in like, you know, 93 or 92. Too, but um, but that, that they never did an on television like a big. Like I said those those are tester fillers. Yeah, the, they never did like a really big television program um with those two until they touched at Survivor Series '92. Now you fast forward to 1996 WrestleMania 12. Now they they're fighting for the world title when they're kind of paralleling together all throughout '94 and '95, but not touching each other. Yeah, agreed. And I think obviously, too, at the end of this, the reason why Sean does win this title at WrestleMania 12 is because Brett's contract is up and he's trying to renegotiate it and taking time off. And he would actually return. He takes almost all of 96 off, but he returns at Survivor Series to face Austin, which I think we've all categorized in our minds as the greatest match ever i mean if it's hard well, no that was the wrestlemania 13 match not the survive but the survive series match is really good but that, that yeah. was not this match so maybe the rivalries right yeah but the rest yeah. the wrestlemania match for the it's for the ic title i believe as well right <clears throat> at that time no no at wrestlemania it wasn't no but there was a title on the line i'm not no I for bread in austin yeah i thought no it's just just straight up match a straight up match yeah oh my god i'm so out of control but the, the, that's another, I don't want to say rivalry, but that is another kind of um, just match setup that I don't I don't think people uh, give credit to where credit is due with those two guys in there. Again, maybe more credit goes to Brett because Brett's just that good. I can't think of a match or a setup that Brett couldn't couldn't control or handle or make great. And uh, he turned Austin into a star, you know, over those couple of matches. So you got to look at that stuff, right? But all that while through 96, Sean is your reigning WWF champion. But, Jess, are they drawing money? No. Again, Vince was just trying with Sean, and he put Jose Lothario with him in his corner, and he tried to make Sean this really, like, bubblegum baby face like Vince likes to do. And Sean's character is not really a bubblegummy baby face. He can be baby face. But like not the bubblegummy baby face, not when he's fucking stripping. And he's shit, a, you know? he was a baby face ahead of his time for the for the um, the attitude era, which some people claim he he kind of created that coined that term. But when when wrestling got real with the with the Monday Night Wars, that's where a baby the, face the big thing with Sean really, was really the first half of his title reign in 96 was fine, fine for what it was. Sure. But um, after the NWO took over in WCW in the summer, late summer of 96, then then it painfully became obvious that WWF was behind the times. They were trying to push bubblegum baby faces, have, you know, uh, you know, these 
characters that were just super over the top and ridiculous. Whereas NWO started hitting their stride and their success in WCW with just their first and last names and real reality based storylines. And these guys are really coming in from the crowd and they're fucking shit up. And this isn't the pro wrestling. You're supposed to come down the aisle when you're a pro wrestler, not through yeah. the crowd. And so it was just people wrestling fans were changing. They were demanding different stuff. And Shawn Michaels, title reign in 96 became instantly flat and and farted loud yeah and not and again probably not his fault i mean it's just just no it wasn't it was just it was wrong 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 time yeah it was vince's vision yeah and so you know they even have sid vicious defeat sean at survivor series to try to get sympathy for sean doesn't really work um and then brett returns in late 96 and then you get that real you get that non kayfabe, you get that shoot uh, tension between Sean and Brett because now Sean's been on top. He's got a taste of it now, right? And Sean doesn't give a shit what's strong and what's not. Sean's like, I'm the man. You have to respect Sean for that at least. A lot of people get pissed at Sean for what he may have done or what he may have said. There's a lot of bullshit about what may or may not have happened in the locker room and back behind the scenes and his control and blah, blah, blah. But one thing that Sean wasn't, he wasn't shy about shit. And he's like, I'm the I'm the man. I don't give I don't care what your gate says. I don't care what your ratings say. I'm your guy. And I think Sean was always like that. You got to respect that. Um, and, I, and the thing is, I think Brett's that way, too. Brett's gotten to the point like, well, who, who else is going to carry this for you? And at this point, you got two major talented guys, technically sound guys, guys that can wrestle with just about anybody at any given time. And make anybody look good. And they're both like, no, I'm I'm the guy. Yeah, now this is where it crosses from their on-screen rival to behind the scenes. Now they're rivaling behind the scenes and they're trying yeah. to they're fighting for Vince's attention. Exactly right. And that's that's kind of what it goes. And Brett actually signs a 20-year contract at this point because Vince was scared of him going to, to WCW, which in hindsight, it's it's what sparks uh, you know, something just tragic in '97, but a that really started the end of '96 when Brett came back and did that. That started the whole wheels falling off the bus, and we're going to get to it, you know. But it led to the whole catastrophic events of Survivor Series '97 in Canada. Yeah, 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 and we're going to get into it. Like '97 is the year of the screw job, right? Uh, Sean defeated Sid to regain that championship at Royal Rumble 97, and then he loses his smile. It's, it's funny how it's all just kind of <laughs> it, it, it's perfectly set up for the ultimate the ultimate catastrophe. Right. So Sean loses his smile and has to forfeit the title. And then Brett has his classic match with, with Austin at 13. He turns heel. That's the double heel turn. That's, you know, right. And. Um, he forms a heel faction with Davey, Owen, Brian Pillman, uh, Jim Nyanhart. They form the new heart, Fo- well, the new foundation, but it's the heart foundation. Right. And then he wins that title at SummerSlam of said year from Undertaker. So where, where did Taker win it from? Did he take it? Did he, he, be- take he it? beat Sid at WrestleMania 13 in 97. So that was kind of was that was that just where the title was up for grabs? None of them had it because Sean no, no, it's it. Sid was champion. Yeah, what happened was is Shawn Michaels beat Sid and then Shawn lost his smile. So he had to, you know, forfeit the title. And again, this was Shawn's. So did they give it back to Sid or Sid won it back? Sid won it back. Um, They they put the title up in the Fatal 4-Way match in February of In Your House. And it was like Austin, Vader, Taker, and Brett. Brett actually won it back. And then the next night, Sid beats Brett 
because uh, Austin screwed him out of the title. Austin. Screwed oh, that's fun. So, 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 yeah, so, so, so they had a back and forth. They had a back and forth, and and they were you, you. I did enjoy this because I felt like they were just WWF was trying at least. They were trying to get our attention. I don't like hot potato titles, but at the same time, like you know, Michaels he played that. He lost his smile. That's a politic game. That's a move he made back behind the scenes to Vince to be like, you either like Brett or you like me. These guys, since, you know, we, we heard that Brett signed the 20 year contract were behind the scenes trying to be the most attractive person to Vince. And which is funny because, you know, Vince has always been looking out for the next mainstream guy. You know what I mean? Like the next Hulk or the next, whatever. That's what Vince is always looking out for. But these guys, unfortunately were just vying for his attention when Vince never, to me, he showed evidence back when he put the title on Diesel. You know, you had Brett and Sean in the palm of your hands, and he's like, oh, here comes Diesel. Fuck you guys. And and they didn't see that back then. That's, Vince has always been like that. But yet, they just still tried to vie for Vince's attention. I lost my smile. I'm injured. I might retire. I got to go. Okay. He's not really that injured. He knew that. And Brett, same thing. Well, I'm going to go to WCW. Well, what do you want? I want a lifetime job. 20 years, pal. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and it just kind of, Vince was just throwing them bones and all that stuff. But Vince in his mind is like, the second the next Hulk comes around, I'm I'm going with him. I'm going with that person. And, and they just never saw it coming. So Quite frankly, whole, it never really came around either until Austin. This whole 97 was Vince. Vince knew very well what the tensions were between Brett and Sean. And he allowed it to fester because Vince knew that someone will remain standing and someone won't remain standing. And again, keep pushing on because in the it's end. It's just a character of metal, is it not? In the end, they both fell. Yeah, yeah, and, and and Vince is responsible for a lot of that, and he would probably admit that to this day, but he wanted to see what, what what could happen. Here's my question, Jess. I mean, when you know this is happening and you see someone like Austin catching fire at this point, um, because it'd be to, for to what we talked about, Austin's already won King of the Ring. Am I correct on the timeline? Yes. When and, and Austin, well, Austin and won it a and year he's before. White hot, right? He was it a year before. When Austin got dropped on his head at SummerSlam 97 by Owen, and the crowd started going nuts for Austin. Vince mm. Vince knew right then, like, this is my guy. So I, why did, I pray, why I pray to God that he could get yes. healthy. I hope he gets cleared because if his neck injury isn't as bad, um, even though it was super severe, but if he can get cleared by a doctor, like, and come back, Austin's my guy. Him. Yeah, Austin's my guy. So, and Sean and Brett... Either they picked up on that and that fueled their fire even more because they're even more jealous of now a third entity or they didn't see it. And they were still thinking that Vince is going to look at either us, either me or Sean, you know, one of the two. And that's the thing is like once Austin proved that he was the guy um, and after he got dropped on his head, when Vince, quote unquote, went out in character and said, I for insurance reason, we can't allow you to wrestle. And then all of the crowd got behind Austin. NWO is beating their fucking ass like in 97, like a drum. Yeah. But at the end of 97, WWF started to get unique storylines. Austin started to catch fire. Vince felt it. And he's like, this is my guy. This is my guy, Austin. And Brett and Sean were in the middle of fighting each other. They just didn't either. Either they didn't notice it or they totally noticed it. Either way, it kept them going at each other to get Vince's attention. It's super. I know it's been talked about to death the whole leading up to the Montreal. But it's fascinating. But it's super fucking fascinating because it's a fake sport. And I know people don't like that word fake. But I mean, it is. Let's just say for layman's terms, it's fake. 
And yeah. but yet these guys are vying for position, much like somebody would in a company or an actor would for a leading role versus a, a supporting role or whatever. That's what wrestling is. That's what's so awesome and interesting about pro wrestling is like it's like an acting job or you're still trying to outperform the other person even though you might be working with them you're still trying to outperform them because you want that lead role or you want that yeah that starting spot or you want that promotion at work and become the ceo of the division or whatever like that's what wrestling is so these guys were so enthralled with fighting each other thinking that it's either me or me or so and so it's either one of the two of us sean or brett that vince is just kind of like just like when Diesel came along, and he was wrong about Diesel, but just when Diesel came along, Austin comes along. And he's like, "Look at that pretty new girl in school," and that was it. That's all. Vince has always been like that, and they just couldn't see it because they were so enthralled in it. They were so Brett. Brett thought he was safe because he had a twenty-year deal, and Sean thought he was safe because I've I've told Vince to fuck you to his face, and he still likes me. He still appreciates my idea and my talent. So they both were thinking they were invincible. Invincible. Yeah, and certainly they were not because Sean eventually comes back. He turns heel. Now you have two of these mainstay guys heel with factions. With uh, you got the Heart Foundation with Brett, and you've got Degeneration X with Sean. And you know when you think about that storyline on its face, there's no way these guys are going to cross paths again for some time. Until the fact that Vince starts to realize that I can't, hey, I can't honor your contract for 20 years. I just can't do it. I just don't know what to do there. And he, and this is where it all gets speculated, but even, you know, Brett seems to say like, yeah, use my, use my stuff against WCW to get yourself more money at WCW. And Brett basically signs a pretty decent deal with WCW. Probably, I think, I want to say triple A very good deal. A very good deal. Yeah. I think it was like triple the cash yeah. over a three-year period that Vince was going to pay him. And he's I, like, I yeah, want to say Brett's go. base was like $3 million a year for three years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he was getting almost, he was getting over $9 million a year over that three-year period. And the three-year period with, with, uh, with, with Vince was not, I don't even think it was three total because yeah, it was a long-term contract. So, it but was it, yeah, time. it descended like after a while, Brett would retire. It covered Brett going from the ring into the, you know, backstage in, where he'd be like an agent and out. then he would be like in the office or whatever. So it covered Brett's entire career. So the pay kind of less. I don't even know how great that. wrestling could have been if he was in that back all that time for 20 yeah. years. But, uh, you know, we can we can always, uh, you know, think about it. What could have been. So when that happens, Brett takes that deal with WCW. But guess what? Who still has the title? Jess? Brett does. Yeah. And at this point, you know, it was so poorly planned. I mean, I think even Vince would say, yeah, it was just it was bad timing, whatever. Um, never thought of a way to get this off Brett before they go to Canada. And guess what? Brett is very, not only very proud, but he also feels like he can do what he wants. He has all the power. He has the title. And he says, I'm not losing the title in fucking Canada, which is where survivor series in 97 actually takes place. Right. In Montreal. So, you know, you guys, we're not going to cover it. Long story no, short, the not going to cover happens. it. But uh, that's where know, the Montreal Screwjob comes in. Like, Brett, go, Brett go, watch, Vince, go watch, you know, the, all the all the fucking details on it, the documentaries on it. They're everywhere, and they're Brett, fascinating. Yeah, Brett and Vince agree on a disqualification finish, and Brett was going to drop the title some other way later. However, Vince actually came down to the ring and called for the bell and made it look like Brett submitted in in his own hold when Sean had him in the sharpshooter and put the. Yeah, put the belt on Sean. It was a whole conspiracy against Brett. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it was a work. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a work. Um, But the thing is, is like, I don't want to cover the the thing. It ended their feud, but the 
big rivalry to me with Sean and Brett, and I always found this fascinating, was Vince always chose Sean in the end. It's so weird to me that Brett, to me, was a better, well-rounded performer in the ring. And he, Brett understands pro wrestling. Not that Sean didn't, but Sean knew how to make himself look good. And he knew how to sell and do all that. And Sean's fantastic and talented, despite my feelings of him. But but Brett, to me, was the well-rounded wrestler. Vince just knew that Sean is a hothead. I can control hotheads. But you, but Brett, I think, hothead. But I, mean, Brett you know? I think, was super calculated in the sense that he knew how to keep himself in the main event pitcher, or if you're not going to put me in the main event pitcher, you're going to pay contract wise out of your ass for me. And I think Vince feared that. So Vince is like, I'd rather get rid of you and keep Sean because I'll neuter Sean. Austin's my guy. That's it. Like in the end of 97, beginning of 98, Austin was so obvious that he was the next, the, the, the next coming, the second coming. And, and, Brett just wanted Brett would be smart backstage contract wise to keep himself relevant. And Vince did not like that because he knew the wrestling landscape was changing. And in order to compete with WCW, he had to be edgy and different. He didn't want Brett sticking around because Brett would find a way to hold on financially, contractually behind the scenes. Michaels was just a hothead. And Vince is like, I can control a teenager. That's no problem. Brett's but this, really smart though in the back. But this yeah. other guy, I don't want. He he whines, he cries, but he's smart backstage and he knows how to trap me into contracts and shit. I don't like that. So I'd rather him <laughs> go to WCW and I'm going to keep this whiner, the, and I'm going to say it, head. this druggie, this guy that obviously is kind of spiraling downhill. He's paranoid. He's this, he's that. I'm going to keep him because I will keep him in check. It's no problem. And that's what ended up happening. And then he ended up dumping Sean because Sean ended up retiring after WrestleMania when he lost to Austin because he was all mad and butthurt and shit and on drugs and pain pills. And he couldn't keep his shit together. So Vince got his way. He knew I had to contractually and intelligently behind the scenes get rid of Brett. But just Sean will take care of himself. And that's what ended up happening. So this rival, this Brett and Sean rival, ended with a disgusting thud in Canada, Montreal, Survivor Series 97 with the screw job. And it's just kind of like, wow, these guys were the two that Vince were using to try to repair wrestling when the steroid era was being ushered out. And he was trying to figure out his new audience and the direction of his company in 92, 93, 94, 95. And like, it's just kind of crazy the way again in the long run, he always goes for the the mainstream guys, the guys that attract casual fans like Hogan, Austin, the big guys. He tried with Diesel, but it didn't work. But he tried because Diesel was seven feet tall, three hundred whatever pounds, you know. And it's like it's so funny. That's always been Vince's motto. But but yet, and he'll try technical wrestlers every now and then, like Benoit and Guerrero, but he'll always get out of it and go with the guys that looked, even though Cena wasn't tall, Cena was super muscular and different looking. And so he went with Cena. And it's just kind of like, it. Vince has always been like that. And these two guys fought with each other so blindly. And it was right on them. It fell right in their laps that Vince doesn't give a shit about either one of us, but they kept fighting at each other to the very end. And both of them fell. So weird, so crazy, so interesting to me, so interesting.
There's so many things like what, what could have happened. It makes you wonder if, if Brett had punched him six months sooner in the face, would Vince had changed his mind? Well, now Vince, now Brett's the hothead and I can control him. You know, like Brett never did that until he ultimately got screwed and he was on his way out. That's that's the only time he ever lost it and punched Vince square in the mouth and knocked him out. Like, you know, but I think Sean was on the verge of that every day. You know, Sean was always like that. But I think Vince knew he was safer against Sean than he was Brett for some reason. I think that Brett, to me, clearly was the better in-ring performer. Well-roundedness is concerned. And you Michael's argue that Brett was a smarter person. Michael's is a great performer. Do not get me wrong. But, um, oh, but yeah, Vince just felt he could control Michael's. He felt Michael's was less mentally than Brett was. Not intelligence-wise, but mentally. Like, Michael's was just a fucking teenager. I fucking hate you, dad. Like that was Michael's. Whereas Brett was like, okay, I see you're leaning towards this way. So I will stay with you, but you have to give me this. And Vince is like, shit, I don't like that. I do not like somebody cornering me like privately and contractually, you know, with a contract and legally that's, he feared Brett more. I'm not even saying Brett was a genius or made all the right choices, but I, I believe that's why he chose Sean over Brett, because on the surface, he could control Sean far more than he could control Brett. And it's not to say that, you know, Sean was mindless. It was just easier because they're both mm-hmm. pretty dynamic guys. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something else. You know, I, th- I think when you look at the absolute moment of it and I'm not trying to disparage these guys, but I think this is really how Vince probably felt at the time. These guys are pure placeholders until I find my next guy. And by the way, he did find his next guys. He found Austin. He found The Rock. And Taker was always waiting the wings whenever needed. But Taker was never greedy. Taker always was a company guy. Sure. So when Vince put him in the middle of the card and Vince is like, listen, I want to develop a different world champion, but I want to keep you in the middle of the card because you're an attraction as well. I don't have to put the title on you. So Mark or Undertaker. Taker Taker was the epitome. He was like, sounds good. You're right. So Vince and Taker always got along behind the scenes creatively because they understood each other and, and also never Taker was getting paid it's all you know yeah and Undertaker never posed any problems so that was the, that was the difference and sean and brett never saw that they that's just fought Taker, and fought and that's and why fought. taker's still around and he was yeah he they really thought went, vince he left. i have to beat this other person to win vince's love or his respect or his admiration and that's not what vince wanted vince wanted just people to stay in their place and not fucking be so loud stay and, in your lane let the story handle yeah itself. and and it's like it, yeah. So on the surface, he always chose Sean. But I realize now in talking about this that it was because I think it was easier to corral Sean. Even though Sean the, was a louder one, he was always, fuck the, you, Vince, and fuck us. He was always a loud teenager. But Vince knew, yeah. like, that's not I, damaging I can, to me. I, yeah, I can handle that. Yeah. Vince can always handle someone getting his face and screaming at him. Vince doesn't care about that. He's very conflictual in himself. But here's where I'm going with it. The fact that. These guys were looked at placeholders, but the only reason at that time, but they're definitely, they were not placeholders. Brett and Sean changed wrestling in the realm of how it is today. And they did indirectly with or without Vince's blessing. They did. And they were, they were both indirect. We're not even, they were both directly responsible for the rise of Austin and they didn't even know it. Maybe they did. And they just didn't care because it just became about well, each like you guy said, beating Brett, each when other. When Brett came back, who's the first person he wanted to wrestle? 
Yeah, it was all, he, awesome. he so Brett, you. yeah, Brett understood what Austin was, but I think that I think that Brett still thought I'm the number one guy. I can use so yeah. As wrestling gets popular again, I'm still I'm going to be regarded as the number one guy. Not realizing that wrestling's getting popular again because a different entity is rising to the top. So Brett just never saw. And I think Brett got the feeling that the sport was passing him by, which is why he turned heel to begin with in '97. Because behind the scenes, Brett really hated the fans for booing faces and cheering heels. He couldn't understand that. He didn't yeah, understand he was, why he was behind in that, but it also became his best work, like you said before. Yeah, in in, kind podcast. of indirectly. So Brett was a little out of touch as far as like he just wanted faces to be faces and heels to be heels. Michaels wanted the edge, but Michaels just felt like I'm going to scream and be fucking super loud to get my way. Whereas Brett's like, no, I don't like what the wrestling crowd wants, but like I'm going to. I'm going to secure my spot behind the stage contractually, so I'm fine with that, and I'll do whatever. Even though I don't know if Brett ever thought that the Hart Foundation was his best work, because it was. 97 Bret Hart was the best Bret Hart. To me, yeah, in, in the, the ring, faction of the foundation, in the yeah. ring and on the mic, and I think that was the best fucking Bret Hart, man. And it, to, ironically, it was the best Michaels, starting DX, so co- competition works, whether it's company versus company or, you know, person versus person within the same company. But like they just didn't see like they didn't see the ending and the ending was not going to favor either one of them. So instead of just trying to save, which Brett, I think, was behind the scenes trying to prep for his future, knowing that eventually he'd be thrown out. I think he got so distracted with the feud with Michaels behind the scenes and vying for Vince's attention and admiration and love that I think that he forgot what he was there for. I think that's what got Brett. And I think Michaels never saw it coming because he was just being, I'm being loud and Vince tolerates me. So he loves me. It's, it's funny because wrestling never really ends, right? It just ends for you. Yeah. Whoever you are. Yes. Right. The NFL never ends. It's just your, your days are over. You know, we don't. Some of us get told by high school that we're done with whatever we're doing in sports. Some of them get told by forty they're done, but we're all told. You know, that's it's kind of like that famous Billy Bean line, right? We're all told eventually, you know, that we can't do this anymore. And at that level, that's that's when they were told. But I I don't think people at that time really understood what they did and the impact they had. And and you know, it's easy for us to talk about this too. And we briefly mentioned on it, you know, what WCW was doing on the other side at the end of '96 and all through '97 completely factored in to Vince having to have this this feast or famine, you know, attitude in the locker room. And Vince nurtured the fight because I think like he knew like something it's got to blow up before I can rebuild it. Right. And so it was just kind of like I think Vince wanted this, you know, to end the steroid era. I think he wished a blow up happened, but it never happened. It just ended up happening in 97, you know, where it just fucking imploded. And then here comes Austin and Brett and Sean are just so busy baby slapping each other that. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to rebuild my kingdom. And that's what ended up happening. And like, I, I'm just so, so interested in the Brett and Sean rival because it, it had so many different layers to it. And it, it, it just it went through this year. 1997 was this year in wrestling that to me is like in a time capsule or a bubble because it just it everything that happened in 97 meant so much to the future and what would develop in the Monday Night Wars and what would happen after the Monday Night Wars. And it just, it was, this feud kind of was in the center of this whole change for me as a fan. When I saw it, I didn't realize it until after it happened where I was like, God, like, 
that was so everything that happened in 97 on both sides, WCW and WWF was so fucking pivotal. It had to have happened that way for the result to end up happening the way it did. But like, God, you know, you so, look back now and you're like, it was so obvious, you know? So when, what we're basically saying here, guys, is that 1997 is the year where the curtain gets pulled completely back. The, it was a year we, of change, man. It was the year we, of, we see, we see the yeah. twig and berries underneath. We see it's, it's I, I hate to go back to Oz cause we make fun of the whole Oz reference. But if you look, look at the movie Oz, um, uh, you know, they think Oz is this all powerful, you know, magical being. And then they pull the curtain back and you see some little fucker back there controlling all the shit. This is where the curtain was pulled back for just about everybody was in the realm of Because Yeah. The Mr. McMahon character became a thing. It became yeah. on. It spilled onto the screen, and we saw reality in wrestling, and and we'll never be able to go back. So that's that's the key, you know. Is at the end of the day, uh, the curtain was pulled back in the year of nineteen ninety seven, and it all was to me. It was all wrestling. from the Brett and Sean rivalry. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP twenty nineteen, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or just do the easy thing: download the app WrestlePost. At no charge to you, and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is Dave and Jess with the OWP signing off. Have a good one.